Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. All right, welcome to another edition of the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. I'm here with my good friend, my spiritual brother in Christ. Uh, in a lot of ways, um, we're brothers because we had the same spiritual father, Pastor Keith Merriman, and he trained both of us uh, in our seminary and practorium. Welcome, uh, Pastor Solomon Zambo. Thank you so much, Pastor Jonathan. It's just a great privilege for me to be here uh, for the first time uh, in this uh, edition. Well, Pastor Solomon, I, I know you've been to the United States a lot. Have you ever seen this much snow? Well, once I have seen it. Uh, last There's a year that I came in uh, October, but I, I went back earlier. But it looks like here it's kind of so soon, and it's more than what I've ever seen, really. I've seen snow before, but not like it's really much for me. So tell everybody where you're from and why it's so surprising for you to see <laughs> snow. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Africa, and precisely uh, the country is called uh, Cameroon. Cameroon, uh, this is in Central Africa, at a, you know, around the corner of Africa. Uh, we are close to the equator. Um, he said equator, for those equator. of you who didn't yeah, oh, catch that. Oh, my accent. Oh, no, uh, it's okay. I'll, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell my listeners that. to put it on half speed so they can catch everything. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. That's very important. Because we face the same thing when you guys come to Africa, we hear rah, 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 and guys ask, what is he saying? <laughs> so you need to be used to. Anyway, uh, Cameroon is a wonderful country, both bilingual, French and English. Um, there's a lot, some troubles going on there. We hope the Lord will help us to bring back, you know, reconciliation because we are all African, you know, language barriers should not be. Uh, motivation for people to be divided. We need good governance, for sure. We need people who fear the Lord. And I'm hoping um, we keep praying, and you guys should be praying for us. It's a wonderful country. We call it in French, Afrique in miniature. En miniature. That means all that you can look for, you know, in Africa, you see it in Cameroon. Oh, that's cool. That's how America has the nickname, the melting pot. Exactly. All oh, the countries yes. of the world exactly. come to America, and you can find a little bit of everything here. <laughs> so, and he says, that's what Cameroon is like. That exactly. It's a melting pot for yeah. Africa. Exactly. So, Pastor Solomon, I want you to just tell the story a little bit. Uh, don't be, give me a short version of how you got to uh, be Grace Brethren. So, talk about your training, uh, what you were doing and a little bit of how God um, moved you to become what you are today. Well, I received Christ in 1993, and um, uh, actually I was from a Presbyterian church background, a liberal church, and they asked us simply, you know, like, you have to wait two years before you go to the seminary. And meanwhile, you uh, establish like a catechist. They call it catechist. Okay. Um, so I was a catechist. Uh, when I received Christ, I left university, so I came down to my local church, and started waiting for, after two years, as they said, I would go to the seminary. And one day, uh, I knew that my message was kind of different from the messages that I've heard for 19 years. 
and people did not want me to preach in that church. I knew that. And I started looking for ways to speak in the name of that Presbyterian church because they have a legal authorization. Cameroon, you have to have it. And I started proclaiming the name of the Lord in prisons. In, I was going in the name of that church in prison and then in the hospital. And one day, after one year and a half, as I was keeping preaching in the hospital uh, precisely, I went to one room and I, you know, I went to all the rooms from four o'clock till the daytime. It doesn't matter. People will use me, ask me questions after my prayer uh, and devotion in the morning. And then sometime at 10 or 11, that's when I, I go back from 4 to 11, every single room. So I went to one room and I met a lady that was so sick and she opened the door because she never opened it when I, when I passed. And she was a very important woman in the, you know, in the government. I didn't know oh, that. Wow. And she came to me and she said, why don't you come to my room? Every time you preach in the, my neighbors, I send people from this room to come there. But why don't you come and preach to me? I said, hey, mom. And she said, the word of God you pray to people. Is it for you? Is it for some people or for everybody? I said, no, mom, it is for everybody, but your room is always closed when I pass. She said, it is now open. So I entered there and I started proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to this woman. She was so sick. I told her, Jesus Christ is the savior. Believe in him. And finally, she got saved and her husband and she got healed. Later on, the Lord healed her. And the husband came to take her. That was the last day. And they called for me and said, you know what? In the daytime, my husband will come. Please come. I want to present you to him. So the husband came and talked to me and said, yes, I know you never heard about that seminary. I will talk to you. I have a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Donald Hawking. Wow. And he says he's a missionary sent by the Conservative Grace Brethren Church. And he opened a seminary uh, one year ago. Would you like to come and see? Maybe. See, I never heard about Grace Brethren Church, never heard about conservative preaching. I don't know anything about it. So I went later on and I, I discussed with the, the American tall guy. And he says, hey, we don't take people from the Presbyterian Church. I said, well, I, I don't know, Presbyterian or not Presbyterian. One thing I know, God called me and I want to study the Word. I was normally to go to the Liberate um, Seminary, but... If there is, is God's will for me to be in this one, <coughs> uh, I'm willing, you know, to study the word. Finally, I was exceptionally, uh, one month, I think, after admitted as a student there with no church sending me because the Presbyterian church could not send me in that seminary because it was conservative seminary. So, so, so did you have to take like an exam to be able to get in the seminary or did he just... Oh, talk to you about like the doctrines and say, okay, if you believe these doctrines, then you can come to the seminary. No, I didn't hear much about the doctrine, but I have the sense that they are different from the liberal seminary. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. the sense was that they say they don't take Presbyterian people. I mean, they talk about Libra. There are two Presbyterian there. They were Bible Presbyterian, kind of very conservative song. And then the other one were liberal. So I was from the liberal Presbyterian. They say, we don't, take people from there. And then I realized that there's something different. They are not ecumenical. They are, you know, the Bible, the whole Bible, not just but the Bible. Then they offered me a chance, you know, to start because this man who was a husband of that woman I came to know was his friend. Mm. So they knew themselves. So I can see how providentially God brought me to become grace brethren. 
Because when I come to that seminary, I studied two years after. They told me about baptism, things like that. I said, no, I'm already saved. I don't need to be baptized again. And then one of the students told me, Solomon, you came here to study. Start reading the scriptures and look, what is baptism? Where should you, when should you be baptized? Where should you be baptized? You know, all these questions, you have to answer it from the scripture. That is the first time I ever heard somebody referring me uh, to the scriptures to find the truth. I've never heard it before. I have been growing in dogmas and things like that. And finally, I studied for two years. I surrendered to the truth and I hear that that missionary is going to baptize people. So I say, hey, I talked to him the, the eve. I said, I want to be baptized. And I didn't want the student to know that I'm going to because they would have started mocking at me that you said that nobody, you will never be baptized again. So, uh, so they were <laughs> so kind you of didn't shocked. Want the, you didn't yeah. want to be embarrassed in yes, front of them. Yes, yes. So I think <clears> in the car with other people were going to be baptized in one village that was a little bit one hour from there. And when they saw me among the people that would be baptized, they were shocked. <laughs> and I told them, you know what? I decided. And this is the day I became a member of the Grace Brethren Church. And later on, I, I was, you know, I finished my five years program there. Then I was ordained after five years in the Master into Divinity. I became a, 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 an ordained pastor among the Grace Bible Churches. So you got to seminary in 1993. No, 94. 1994. Actually, yeah. Oh, after you got saved in 1993. Yeah. yeah. And then um, you were at seminary for five years, so that was up to 1999. Yes. Now, five when years. did you meet Keith Merriman in that period of time? Well, the, he, uh, I'm, I'm sure that it was in 95. 1995. Okay. Yeah, that was my second year in the seminary. I saw Joseph Young. I mean, he wasn't all like today. I mean, he was kind of adult person coming with less than Vanessa uh, from Cornerstone, Mansfield, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And these are the missionary sent. And they were kind of different from the, the missionary that was there. The mission that was there was a very, he was a doctor, you know, like teaching uh, a good teacher. But he, the practical aspect of it, you know, you know, like living with the people, ministering, uh, he wasn't with us in ministering. So these two missionaries came and they were with the people, working with the people, entering the churches, uh, different gifts. That's why I realized there may have been evangelists among them, like kid is kind of a good evangelist, but in the other sense, they were pastoring churches. There was a big difference between the doctor that was just teaching us, having no local church pastoring, and these two people were actually pastors, so they knew the experience of the ministry, and that really blew my mind. And I remember that <clears throat> I did ecclesiology with Kate Merriman in English because I'm French speaking. Yeah, right, uh, right. That's my first language. <clears throat> but I have to struggle. I knew a little bit of English. I have to struggle to listen with the American accent. Like you guys struggle to listen to my accent now. Yeah. And, and all whenever they are there, I do my English courses with Kate Merriman. And then he studied Daniel, he taught us Daniel, and then ecclesiology. And it's from ecclesiology. Now, hold on, let me, let me give... Uh... A little bit of background for the listener because yeah you and i know what ecclesiology means but oh, maybe sure. not everybody does so ecclesiology is the seminary class on what is the church and what does the church do and who is in the church all right so the class on ecclesiology teaches uh the answers to all of those questions okay so now go ahead and talk about your time in the class of ecclesiology 
Thank you so much. That was very important to precise. <laughs> so I started realizing that, you know, we just studied Greek, our Greek courses, and he started asking questions. You know, who are the people here? We were talking about the leaders of the church, which system we believe. So we were all congregationalists. We believe that the congregation has power. They are the one deciding everything. <laughs> you know, like they lead everything. So they, they, they have the, the say. But when we start studying the scriptures, I realized that everywhere is talking about the elders. What is their responsibility? But they are the ones who are the shepherds. They are leading. They are feeding. They are uh, accountable to God for, you know, for those sheep. And, and preaching. And, and preaching, yeah. and, you know, all those activities. So I said, wow. I, I mean, it blew my mind because this is not what I've been seeing. I've been mostly seeing that. Most of the book and documentation were about congregation, congregation, you know. And then also realized that there were certain things that the congregation has to vote. You know, like uh, electing a pastor. Uh, they know the person is an elder uh, because of the qualification. Some of those qualifications are the testimony of his life. And the congregation was uh, having the say because he lives with the people. So there were certain decisions congregation can make. Maybe deacons can make certain about the tables and things. But concerning the prayer and the words, the leadership and the direction of the church was given to the elders. So that really changed my mind in many things. So I started realizing that we have like two different courses, you know, two orientation. All of us that were trained by Kate Merriman, we were pushed to go and start local churches. Mm -hmm. Our mind was local church. Right. But the people were not trained by Kate Merriman. It looks like their mind was, you know, leading what teachers, you know, people follow their leaders. So they wanted to be teachers. Some were really called teachers. Uh, I know one of my friends there, Dr. Simon, he was really, I know him and I used to pray, Lord, where do you want me to go after here? I knew he was a good teacher. But other people sometimes may have just want to be because maybe there's, uh, there's a salary and they follow also their, their mentor. But I was mentored by Keith and Lester, especially Keith Merriman. And then concerning the church, that's why when I finished my years, I felt a burden as an evangelist. I'm also an evangelist, uh, feeling like it's time for me to go and start good churches that will be well organized and able to function the way the biblical principle is. And I'm telling you that it was very difficult for to lose a, a well-trained person that I was because we were not many in the Grace Brethren Church in the beginning. I mean, we were 13 in the beginning, then we lost, I think, six. We remained seven, then we keep losing people, you know. And we were kind of two people ready that could have been taught in that generation. And one of them is the dean of the seminary today, but I didn't feel that call. I'm mostly more local church-minded person. Right. So it was a blessing. So what you're really on. saying is, of the people who were in the seminary, some of them wanted to continue in the academic world and just continue to be professors and, you know, they um, they just wanted to teach in the seminary. Yeah, but you felt, pattern. <laughs> yeah, but you felt that yeah. uh, because of the word of God, you needed to practice your gifts within the local church. Yeah, I mean, they, I was so taught deeply about the local church. That's why those who know me and have heard me preaching, I'm very, very careful about any organizational structure that does things without the link with the leadership of the local church. You know, like people, Amen. people go yeah. everywhere, they create new stuff, 
and the pastor is not even aware, they are kind of accountable to one organization outside the church and they fulfill all the requirements of that organization, but they have nothing, they're not under the leadership of the pastors or the elders of the local church that they are not even aware. And there are many activities inside the local church that their impact is not. And I think many Christians should review the way they consider the local church. Jesus' plan is to build the local church. I mean, he said, I will build my church, which means, uh, you know, all local churches established with the power of the word of God, uh, Jesus Christ's own building. So and Solomon, what be. do you think your gifts are that you offer to the local church? What are your gifts? Okay, mainly what I've seen, of course, everybody knows that is I'm really an evangelist. All right, talk, uh, talk a little bit about what an evangelist is, because I think yeah. in America, we have this idea of a guy on the television or the uh, radio. Oh, what, what is in it? What is a true <laughs> biblical evangelist? Pastor Jonathan, I think uh, more than ever this year has been one of the best years in all my trips in America to start thinking. You know, you know, I'm 46 years old, and I will be like 56 or 66 year uh, because of the way we live in Africa. Right. So, so let me explain that to people because <laughs> I know. But what he's saying is. The lifespan of yeah, yeah. an African male is like 55 or 56 years total. Yeah. And so he's nice. saying in American years, he's probably the equivalent of somebody who's 66 instead of 46. Yeah. So that's what he's trying to say here. And and so Solomon is really, he's talked a lot about over this past year being the twilight of his life and looking at what am I going to accomplish in the next exactly. 10 years that God might give to me. Exactly. So first of all, I've realized all my trips in America and then watching the video and things back in Africa, I, I've been seeing many people they call evangelists. Yep. And, and guess what? Only this trip, more than ever, with all my experience in the field, when I become a pastor, I was voted a pastor in a church. That's where I started realizing the more, who am I? You know, what is my, what is my calling? even as an elder among other elders. Yes, because right. in my church, we have like five elders. Wow, Three. praise God. Yeah, and and uh, I think two are getting to, to be ordained elders, but they're already five. Um, so I started saying, what is my gift? First, I realized that I like exalting people. I'm good in exaltation. I have a ministry of that. I can do that. Yes. And then I also realized more than ever, I've realized that one for many years, that I want to lead somebody to Christ. I mean, yesterday I went to CVS and then saw a lady and then after she served us and do everything, I asked one question, are you a Christian? Like me? Oh, she said, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm a Catholic. No, when I asked her, are you born again? And she said, oh, no, I'm Catholic. <laughs> and then I said, no, I'm not talking about an organization. I want to tell you about how you can be born again. Born again, this is what it means. So I brought her, she stood there for about 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. And lead her to the truth and the parts of the truth. I was with Pastor Dave, I'm sure. It, it's such, I, I, it's so easy for me in plans. And uh, I led two Muslims to Christ. Um, last trip uh, in Washington, um, we were in Washington at the airport. And they were there sitting, they've been hearing the gospel, but really never decided for Christ. And that was so easy. And one woman called me, they're in France. The wife called me back and said, Pastor Solomon, I don't want to pray to, you know, and again, I want to pray to Jesus Christ. Wow. So I believe 
that this is the, the an evangelist has always you know the temper to do that to proclaim the gospel of jesus christ and i'm glad i was well trained to know what is the gospel it's not about you shall be healed you have the visa you have the cars no more problems when you come to christ and that's what people are looking for here in america even in africa the gospel is about it's so ugly the gospel because it talks about sin i, I mean you are so discouraged you see your nature really and then it talks about somebody who paid the penalty of sin jesus christ wow god coming on earth god man oh yeah it cost him that this is really sad and then it, it talks about the good news he came to die so that and be, and he raised from the dead so that he will forgive my sins that is what is good about it don't be discouraged you know you have to turn away really it is serious the gospel we don't laugh when we talk about the gospel because it's death or life if right. you reject the gospel you reject jesus christ you reject there's no way you if you die there you go to hell but if you accept the gospel you believe in him you know he will seal you with the holy spirit and then you are born again so now i felt in me the joy to proclaim that good news that were well taught you know by my teacher and then number two number three i fear in me a gift of teaching but in reality those who know me i don't teach I preach instead. So that means I take the courses. <laughs> I like doing that and I'm proclaiming through this, you know, like I take it and become a message more than, you know, to feed the person. Yeah, right. right. So what I think is that I'm not a doctor. My ministry is not doctor. Right, you're not a, you're not a yeah. professor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a professor. Mm. I think I'm just an evangelist and I'm a pastor. I like pastoring people. I like, I'm always in the net asking people what they are doing. Uh, I like doing that. I didn't realize it before. I, I just realized the more I like doing that. So many Christians in America are afraid of sharing the gospel. And I, I mean, me included. It's one of my weakest areas as a pastor. I mean, if somebody comes up and talks to me, I can answer any question that they have. But for some reason, <clears throat> I just don't have that thought in my mind of like, oh, I'm talking to the lady at CVS. Let me ask her if she's born again. Yes. I don't have that yes. thought. So... Solomon, what what encouragement or what uh, what could you what would you say to Christians in America who struggle to share the gospel? Um, let me come up there. I just end up something about the evangelists and then I answer quickly. Okay, that's because fine. That's fine. There was a problem I didn't answer that one. Many of those those evangelists that we see everywhere on TV have their own ministry. I think there's something wrong in that because an evangelist is a, a, a ministry gift among the five. That we know Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven uh, to twelve. Yep. And yep. one of and we know we believe in today in uh, evangelists, uh, you know, teachers and uh, and pastor. So we believe those three gifts. There's no more apostle. There's no more prophet in that sense because we Ephesians two twenty says that we have been founded, you know, on the, on the apostle doctrine and prophets. So the church, all the doctrine we have today. The foundation is from apostles and the prophets of the church. So, do any evangelist should understand? Somebody feel that burden? I told you that is enough. First is for the local church. An evangelist should not be out of a local church. The gift was given. If you read Ephesians chapter four verse twelve, it says that what to equip the saints for the edification, right? to build that wall. You know, that wall is, you know, the walls of the church. It's like we are spiritual stones, like Peter says, and then the church becomes a house 
where the door is Jesus Christ, and then he is the head as, uh, as well. We have to build that church by preaching. We add people, the Bible says, God added to the church those who are truly saved. Well, that's an important so, distinction. Yeah. That an evangelist, a true biblical New Testament evangelist, is somebody who seeks to build the local church, not their own ministry. Exactly. It is so important. Most evangelists today, nobody will discipline them. So they don't, they are not, I mean, if they do things that are contrary to the word of God, like it happened to many, uh, you know what? They, they are not accountable to anybody. Yeah. No yeah. Christian, no pastor, nobody in this world should be, you have, this is a broadcast program you have, but yes. you are a pastor of a local church that yes. you are accountable to. Yes, so I am. So each Christian, each leaders of any ministry, whatever, I, I don't care how we call the means, We'll talk about it uh, according to the question you asked me. I don't care about the means people may pass through, like a one like this, uh, child evangelism. We can have tools. You know, we name them what we want, Africa Outreach. We have names or those things. But the main thing, these are just cover. The main thing is what we do inside. It's simple. Jesus has never taken many methods. You know, I see many organizations and missions, organizations, many methods. Somebody with 10 years before he will translate the Bible and then they will bring people to Christ. No, I don't do that. If somebody can hear my language, what is the purpose of a language? Communication. That's all. If I learn pidgin somewhere, pidgin language is to proclaim what? The gospel. I don't wait, I don't walk in people's principle. If I go any town I go, I can start a church anywhere the Lord leads me because that's where evangelists are made for, is to mm. start churches. And when they start a church, they are linked. You know, Paul comes back in Antioch all the time. They are linked with Jerusalem, they were linked with Antioch, and Paul mostly is Antioch. He will go and establish local churches. Another mistake, and that's Billy Graham, I saw it in him. The greatest evangelist in history. Yeah. But did not use the biblical principle of evangelism. No, he didn't. Is to do what? Is to establish churches. Because when people believe in Billy Graham crusade, that's not all. Jesus did not call us to only build believers. Jesus called us to build uh, disciples, you know, and build the church. You know, disciples are built inside the local church. They are the ones who make the local church of that day. Yeah, what you're, what you're saying is a real pitfall or a shortcoming of a lot of what we would call like parachurch organizations exactly. like uh they're good right? yeah. i mean but like campus crusade for christ or yeah. the navigators yeah. they reach students on a college campus and that's good and they get saved but then those students need to be discipled in a local church and if there's if there's no local church training or or uh desire to go um, to a local church and get connected, then it becomes very hard for those people to grow beyond what they get in the three or four years that they're in college. Exactly. See, all the crusades, what we call crusade, or all the, you know, organizations, organization, yeah. preaching, all these things people may do. What was the purpose? It was only one purpose. Not only one purpose when Paul went out and preached in, you know, Athens, uh, you know, and Peter preached the day of the Pentecost. Uh, <clears throat> whatever these crowds, Jesus Christ with the crowds, you know, whatever has been objective when the church started in the day of Pentecost, the objective was clear, you know, establishing local churches in those areas. You know, it wasn't church building. That's another thing people when you talk about. The church, the church, the church in Gimsburg is all the believer born again. Yeah. You know, in that area. And then they may gather here in the Grace Brethren Chapel, the other may gather on the other side, but what is the purpose? 
discipleship. First of all, they need to receive Christ. And then number two, they need to be built up, teach them all that I have taught you. Right, which But takes a lifetime. Exactly. It takes, oh, that's exactly the point. The point is that how do you teach somebody when you don't have a place to nurse him? You know, he has to be in a place that you nourish him. Can you imagine you give birth? I know you have four children. I do. And then you take one of the guys, you feed him today, and then he start walking on the road, and then you met him again in Fremont, Ohio. He say, hey, boy, <laughs> Levi, come. Hey, daddy, I, I still have something for you this time. So the child is living alone. He, he walked alone. He tried alone. And then once a while, you may meet him somewhere and give him something. That's not how you, you raise a child. No, You raise not. a child in the house. You have a wonderful woman. I know a very one, <clears throat> Mary Edith. It's wonderful. And you guys are godly parents. You are raising your children in your home. And that's exactly what we should do. We should lead people to Christ and evangelists. As a Christian, because there's also a walk of evangelists. All Christians, that's why we end up, you know, regarding your question, the work of evangelists is a call to every Christian. Yep. But <clears throat> evangelists is a ministry gift that God gave to some among us. And we have it in a different degree. You know, I'm can, they can cut my head here already because my mind is already set on that. So God told me, I mean, God told me that, you know, as they did to the green uh, tree, they shall do the same thing to the drive. So whatever Jesus faced, I know that I might face it in the same way or even worse. So my mind is prepared as an evangelist that I will go somewhere, God will open the door, and I may die there. Now, What we need to understand that evangelists in the world should review what they call evangelists. Should review, first of all, like I told you, what is a local, what is the purpose of God? It's not to give birth to children like we talk about Levi. You give birth to a child and then the child walks his own ways and then you pick once a while or whatever. No, you need to nurse the child in a home. So each evangelist should be in a local church. Right. Accountable to, sent by that local church to establish a ministry that has a link with that local church. And many evangelists are separated from their local churches so that the impact, what was the purpose of that gift? So that they build up that local church so that the ministry of evangelists will be shown to many other people. And then number two, the, the work of evangelists will be done. And now that's why I want to answer the next question about the church in, in America. What do we do? The church in America has become cold. Uh, I need to remind you that many years ago, centuries ago, America came to Africa. Yeah. And they led many of us to the truth that we know today. Now, this is the point. What happened? What happened? That America is no more. Very few missionaries are in the field. Well, first of all, we need to review the way we do the mission. When we send missionaries, not for them to go and establish an empire. Many missionaries have gone and established their locality, their home. They don't go back. They don't live again. It wasn't the purpose. Paul never stayed in the place. He knew that his days are counted. If he stayed, there's a period of time is to train people, to teach people. And then what? The most effective missionaries of the people, of the indigenous people that we're meeting, are the indigenous people themselves. You could never, you will never increase somebody's skin 100%. You can learn the dialect, you can learn the culture of people, but you will never be that people. I'm an Ewondo. My tribe is Ewondo. Makobe Ewondo. That means I speak a wondo. That's my dialect. And so you can never become a wondo. Even if you can speak my dialect, you will never become a wondo. Right. Because I am born African. I'm born Cameroonian. I'm born a wondo. That is me. So nobody will reach the Cameroonian better than me 
or they wounded people better than me, uh, starting from my own tribe, and then the other tribe, because I grew in Cameroon. And, and especially, I was a ministry in many places, both the French and English Cameroon. So I know the Northwest. I won't see the people terrorists the way they are painting people today. I know there are many guys that are angry, and what they are doing is very bad. They're chopping the head of people. But I know also the other side in the French is many people live, they don't obey the Bible. I mean, people, they don't govern well. There are many things that are not right in that country. But you see, because I grew in both sides, you know, I am acclimated, you know, I am used to the both side people. I know how to speak with the chicory, the people who are linked in the English part, because it's, it's one movement of people in the Northwest. And then in Southwest, I know they are back where most of them have a kind of literal background. Um, I have studied these people, I grew with these people, I will be a most effective minister. When the people cry in the Northwest, I know why they cry. I've been there, I know what it means in Cameroon. When the people cry, Yaoundé, we to cry, I'm Yaoundé, but <laughs> we don't have the thing that people are thinking. It's difficult for us. We want a better governance, a government, we have better leaders, people fear the Lord. That's the greatest thing, that people fear the Lord and manage well the substance, you know, what we have. So a good missionary should be somebody who go and do the work of the Lord. So what happened is that a Many evangelists, maybe some of the way evangelists, some not, left this the church in, in America. So and went and established good ministry. Some remained there and spoiled the work of the Lord. And that one is no doubt about it. They became like gods. People go every knock the door from morning till evening to them. They need money, they have problems. And that is not a ministry. The ministry is go to minister the word to the indigenous people and do the good works you can as much as you can. But you know what? Get out. As soon as the guys are ready to do it, let them take over. So what you're saying is that people from America, missionaries from America, came to Cameroon or other countries in yeah. Africa. Uh -huh. And then they established their own ministries where they became the head, they became the chief. They were the ones who the people looked to instead of looking to Jesus Christ. But that's what happened in the Noahs right now. Yeah, yeah. There that's... was one that was established there for life. He built his house, he has a plane and everything. I mean, all his life, he was established there. And I keep telling him, the true ministry is when you are out. He never understood what I said. I said, I don't want to mention his name. I said, you know what? You have not yet started a ministry. He stayed there for 20 something years. Wow. And I said, you know what? You have not yet started. The two ministries when you are out. Because today, all our conservative grace brethren missionary left the country. But what happened? They come and visit now, you know, come and, and you know, supporting material that we need. But they know we are able to establish churches to yeah, organize how many, them. How many pastors and churches do you have now? Um, you know, the grace brethren. We, so, so uh, fill, yeah. to fill you guys in on a little history. Um, Don Hawking, the name that shall not be mentioned, was found to be a unfaithful man. And so he was kicked out of the Grace Brethren. At least the conservative Grace Brethren he was kicked out of. And we lost some men with him. The conservative Grace Brethren worked with Solomon and another man by the name of Raymond Olinga and um, Roger. And they began training other men. And the first time that I met Solomon, I was uh, but a mere 20-year-old lad. And I was wide-eyed. I was still my remember first time. your picture. How yeah. You played soccer there. I know. We played soccer. It was. <laughs> I can't believe. 
Yeah, that was that was something else. We played soccer oh, yeah. on a Sunday afternoon in the village in northern in, in the village of Oku, and there were probably a thousand people who came out to watch these white boys play soccer. <laughs> that was a great time. So I just see the pictures. And Pastor Keith was just shaking his head like I can't believe they're because doing you, that. Because that you and Modi. Because then we don't have all the nice uh, field. Like no, here. no, we were playing in the you mud field. Just, and you wear, you know, you have no shirt. No, we didn't have shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I came to Cameroon with Keith that time is you were graduating. Yeah. You guys called it your first batch yeah. of pastors. Yeah. And there were, what, seven guys there? Uh, there were eight guys. Seven or eight, yeah. eight guys. Yeah. That was the first batch of pastors. Yeah. Now, how many pastors do you think that you guys have? graduated in the last let's say that was 2005 so 14 years how many people have graduated well actually we may count about 18 or 19 pastors plus 20 about 23 24 pastors just wow. in our line but you see in total in Cameroon we are about 54 pastors conservative now wow which as you know, we lost as you know, yeah, we lost others, some. but I'm telling you that these guys, if you go in the northern part where there's Muslims, and these guys are they have their factory established, they do their work, they train their people, they ordain them, and they use their offering, they pay the pastors with what they have. They are just you know, what we call adult local churches, and it's very interesting that mature, local mature, churches. yeah, mature, that's yeah, yeah that's the American exactly word. mature. Yeah. And then are there all the old pastors that we are getting to? We are looking for what do we do next, and that's why I went to Uganda with Roger and started looking as an evangelist. Roger is an evangelist; he's from Burkina Faso, and he he felt the call there, and he's working there in many countries, Rwanda, you know, all the rest, um, Tanzania and Kenya. But it's so good that we start we are starting view now not only our country, but started looking at other African countries that the experience not a bad one. Because there was a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a good experience of the conservative would be a modern. Because those churches grow and they are surprised of gifts. You know, sometimes there is a gift that comes from here because of the situation. Sometimes, like now, I'm going with about 10 uh, tablets given to pastors that would never dream to have a tablet. And what do we put in those tablets? All the courses, Dr. Whitcomb, the new courses that we have, all the courses for the teachers. And a, and a library as and well. And a library as well. So they have, we put a Bible works. Can you imagine? We're putting Bible works. We're putting Logos program. It's amazing to see that those guys can get, you know, we have rats in Africa. They chew our books and so on. So, but now, electronic, and, and you lose your tablet. We have the thumb drive. And you can buy cheap tablets now in Africa as yep. well, though it won't stay like the one here. Right. But right, that's but... why we carry some here because they stay longer. I still have mine that you guys brought. Right. It will stay longer. And we say to people, if you miss it, you buy your own and we still have the program. But this is a gift from the CGBCI. And and what you're describing right now is what you said a little bit earlier. It's a self-sustaining ministry. That is a there's no long-term American missionary <laughs> in Cameroon. We come and visit every two years or every three years, and we give you some training, some support. We yeah. find out how things are going. But it's the pastors who know the truth, and they're doing the truth. And like you said, the Cameroonian pastors can reach their own people because they know the culture better. Already effective. And then you know that somebody got converted because they really you know see Jesus. It. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I go and preach to them, 
Everybody will be. Nice. Everybody will say, "Oh yeah, you know, a hundred people raise their hands." Man, I'm a powerful evangelist in Cameroon. Powerful, but how many of them are really real? You See, know, uh, uh, Brother Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, it's not only about you as white or American. Even I myself, as an African missionary, when I went in a different area, like I was in the Norway, oh yeah, Oku yeah, and Kumbo, they have a different culture that is not mine. And, and what would I do? I'm a missionary. So I go there. I, I would do the same principle. Is that gain them. If you gain a bounce of money, Pastor Afoni, we gain him. He does. He knows his people. He knows the tradition. Yes. I don't need it to be again in Kumbo. So I stay in Kumbo for seven years. And then you know what? I started feeling that guy wants to take over things. So he was ordained after his training. And he's a powerful evangelist right now. And pastors, and who, no matter the world, I see the language on Facebook is preaching Christ. So Good. our ministry has never been in vain. Now, I could never be an Okuman. You would never be a Cameroonian even if you stay 10 hours, you know, like the car in a garage. Yeah, right. You right. can stay, you know, the car, you know, a man can be for 10 years in the same garage fixing those cars. He would never become a car. That's right. So you never become a Cameroonian even you have the nationality. Is it because there's still something that you will lack? You were not born Cameroonian. So, and that is a strategy. Now, when I left Oku, honestly, in the Norway, people were not happy because, you know, people don't want to lose a missionary because a missionary brings all the blessings. Yeah, they do. They most do. of the time, God send them and bless them. But the point is, if that missionary will fall into this pit, that's all about him. If the minister start turning around, the people will never be mature. It's like raising your children that you are raising. You won't keep your child 20 years, 22 years in the house, 23 years. The guy doesn't know where, you know, what he has no plan. And I saw children living in the basement of their parents, <laughs> living in their families, still with their parents, 25, 30 years, 35, there's something wrong. Wow. You will never grow. So there is a time we should be surprised blessings upon the people. Because everybody's in need. We know once why there was a need somewhere, and Paul will raise funds and try to support. But we don't become gods for people because if we are not there, they will leave. Either we are there or not, they will always leave. You know, like I used to say, if I have no support in any way, I will still be leaving because I was living before any support. And then uh, the, the, the support we have, uh, such a blessing, makes you to grow more, to do things bigger than what you can do. If somebody didn't pay my transport, to come to America as they have been doing, you know what? I would never be able to spend all that money to come here. Right. So, but coming here helped me to practice things that I have learned, and then I can see the failures, the weakness, the good, and then I have been learning. You know, changing my home relationship with my wife is from my trips, because I see the white people living is completely different from the way we are living in Africa. Women are nothing in general in African society. Women are nothing. And no African would, would say the opposite of what I'm saying. So we didn't grow with that. They are almost nothing. In America, women are respected. The man can remove the dishes from the table, and you see it. You don't, there's no Bible verse say remove the dishes. So practical theology is so important for Africans to see. And now, when I'm granted in that privilege that God gave me, didn't give to many, I need to go back and stay in my country and live in my country so that people can see that. You see, and, and when they see that, things are really different. And that's why I want to talk about what pulled down Christianity in America. You see, it's first of all, the way missions were done. 
Because I think that in the beginning, when America was bubbling, you know, and they were sending missionary, something happened back home. So what happened back home? The purpose of evangelism, remember, to start churches, is to start churches and also to, to build up the local church where they are. So when missionary leave, people have a burden for evangelism. Mostly they are called missionary in the beginning, the evangelists that go first and start the ministry. And then now they can have teachers and all kind of team around. But I don't believe really when they say a doctor is, an, uh, is a missionary. That is a large way. You know, missionary, this is large. You know, you can call Luke, the doctor and the historian, a missionary just because he accompanied Paul in that big team. But what was the main purpose of the team? It's not to heal people, it's not to take the history and, you know, take the notes. But I believe he was first proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says, you know, Demas abandoned me, you know, only Luke remained with me. For what? For the sake of the gospel. Those who left him for the sake of the world. So in reality, it was not about solving the problems. And many missionaries have done that. They brought hospital in Africa, schools. That was good. Uh, really, is good. But this is the point. If the main goal is not hold on by faithful men, you know, no ministry can be powerful if they don't have faithful people. What happened is that those hospitals, like I see today, became a channel where people are looking for jobs. And you go inside, very few are totally safe. And I've been there. My children have been sick in those uh, hospitals, you know, Christian hospitals in court. But I heard the gospel of the chaplain. That they, I mean, there's nothing that they said about the cross, the repentance, and the sin. Is that so? Good work, yeah, becomes something terrible. Schools become no more the preaching that we want. So, Christianity start dying in, in America. The way I'm seeing is that those who were supposed to build up the local churches to impact them with the burden that they had, instead went out, stay out for longer, and become and you know some died, and when they come back, they were weak. And they started writing books or teaching seminars or do other things. And they were no more used inside the local <laughs> churches to impact the local church. That's a Consequ really interesting perspective. Yeah. Consequently, this yeah. is what happened. They were given a gift, you know, and it's not easy that time to go to Africa. You know the roads, yeah, yeah. you know everything about the condition, the malaria. Yeah, yeah. And these guys were having tremendous burden to go. And they did well to go because God called them. But the worst thing about it is that most of those guys did not want to come earlier. They were, you know, they report relationship with missionary, they stay, they build up the empire, they secure their life. And they, later on, since they did not impact the local churches where they came from, well, most of those people in those local churches don't have people who impact them. When evangelists don't impact their local churches, the, 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 the appetite of evangel to, to evangelize is dying. Because only evangelists give that appetite to the church. You rightly said, if I were with you for one month here in America, like you and I will from morning till evening, I stay with you, you will you, you will start being overwhelmed, you know, like with the desire to preach. Because I was with Pastor David Dam Damshuda yesterday. He stood there, he could not believe. We have no appointment with this lady. But we say, let's share Christ, you know, very nice person to us and listen. She was so nice, explain all the things. And I said, okay, we do have a little things we want to explain to you. And later on, we have to buy things there. They were not, I mean, we didn't take away her responsibility. There was nobody. If somebody was to come at that time, I'm sure she would say, excuse me, you know. And she listened. So 
people who are having the gifts of evangelism have to impact the local church in priority. And that's the greatest thing on mission is that people want to send missionaries all over. Churches do that. How many missionaries do you have? They say, we have 10. But yeah, guess but what is happening? They're all over. And they're all over. And yeah. then inside the local church, the people no, who are zero. ready to go, there's zero. So the local church, and you can see, I can challenge you today, the home missions for all denominations in America, go and check, is weaker and weaker and weaker. But they will have missionaries outside America supporting them. Money is not a problem in America, <laughs> supporting them. But the greatest thing is that there is an impact. So uh, I, I remember, was it last year or two years ago, you, you say something, you preach at conference. I did preach at conference. Was it last year or it the year before? Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, exactly. And, and I was, I've never heard that before. I've never heard somebody come and say, hey, you know what, guys? Um, if, if at all, we don't build up strong local churches, well, <laughs> we should not expect to do any efficient work out of the country because it is a strong local church that will support that you know that will build up the outside work and that i can challenge you most missionary that uh, you know churches will be sending cannot have a full support uh, the 100 percent of uh, of their you know support, sending church right. yeah right they have to connect with families with other yeah, churches with other and so on and, and that shouldn't be the case because when you start combining with other people you also have you may have some constraint you see, mission should send their missionary to go to any place without being accountable to any other mission there, but having friendship and relationship. But they're not accountable. If God send you to Yaoundé, you should have come to Yaoundé and not ask the other missionary, where should I go, what shall I do? No, God send you. you don't, you're not accountable to somebody. But the other mission can be your friend. Yeah, you they can, can talk yeah. with them and you need to have good relationship with brothers who come from the same country with you, but they don't dictate you. Right. And so one of the sins we have today on missions work, which, uh, as I told you, first of all, is that the local churches are not the focus. The whole mission work is not focused. Yeah, I want to go back to what you said. The message I preached at conference two years ago it was really the presentation for the home mission panel of the Grace Brothers. And, and what I said was, in the last 25 years of the Grace Brothers' history, because we were celebrating our 25-year anniversary, We've planted one church successfully in 25 years in America. But in India, we have 30 churches. In Cameroon, we had, you know, 12 churches or 15 churches at the time uh, that we planted. And then, okay. and, yeah. then, and then you guys had planted another oh, 20 or 30 churches. Yeah. And so, and then, and then we had um, uh, some guys in Myanmar that planted churches and they were affiliated with us. And, and, and the reality is we, we can't plant one church in America, but we can plant churches everywhere else. Why? Why? Because our missionaries, our, our guys who want to be missionaries, they go to these other places, not to our local community. And, and, <laughs> and you know, as you and I, we agree with that, that we want people to go. But the point is that we want people to go when prioritarily we build up our house. You know, my wife, this is one of my sins in my life. I'm not ashamed to confess it publicly, you know. Like, I used to focus more outside than my own house. Because we evangelists, we are always on the run. And uh, my wife asked me, and I watch a movie. You won't believe that. Uh, well, in, in court, Christian movie. I may have some pro that one, uh, in certain aspect, theologically, fireproof. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was so many good things that I pick up from the movie, you know. We all have to discern. We take what is good. And the other one that has failure, you know. You know, if I, they ask me to review, I will know how to review. Now, what I did is that I watched a movie and then the guy says, everybody all know me, everybody respect me, but except my wife. So Mary and I watched the movie and it was one of my trivia in America. Okay, if I was back home, I don't know if I would ever see fireproof because I don't buy the those tapes that people DVDs, copy, out, yeah. DVD they copy outside. I want the original one and you won't see the original one in Africa. Mostly it's those except a missionary who live here and come there. So when I come here and I have the movie, and then I, you know, I met my wife and I to watch the movie, and and I was so touched because exactly the movie was saying to me, Solomon, you are powerful outside, you have all the glory outside, but if that glory doesn't start from your own house, you know what, you are nothing. And then Mary turned to me and says, <laughs> you know, Mary is is very <laughs> special woman. She said, see. Did you hear what the guy says? <laughs> uh, don't, is it not what I've been telling you? If you want to be blessed. You want to be, I need to be the one to clap first the hands before anybody. And let's come back to that application. How in the world we can have a strong ministry outside if we don't have a strong ministry inside? Right. And so maybe it comes a time that, well, I would not advise you guys what to do here, but it comes a time for us that we call back our missionaries, you know, if they start in some town, we say, hey, guys, you know what? Please come back here. So I remember when I was in Oko, we called, you know, this guy wanted to start churches everywhere because that's where the leader was. You know, I wanted just to start churches. I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to organize them. I didn't want to pastor them. I didn't want to let them grow to become mature. So I started starting churches, and then we realized that it doesn't work because we can't have children of two years. We abandon them. We start another church two years here. We abandon no solid thing. So finally, we start calling back to the missionary. I say, hey guys, when we go out, what will support us? <laughs> we start thinking. We have two or three main churches. But when people start leaving, they live with their family. Those churches become weak. And then we say, hey guys, we need to make this key of church to be a strong church. So I remember uh, that's why I called Pastor Raymond to come up. Because he, he was a very stable person. And... And we have a school there, the practicum. And I say, hey, guys, we have to make this church grow. Then I can feel free again to evangelize once a while. But we need first to build up this church. And I remember, Keon, you, you visited yeah, Keon. It becomes a very good and strong church. Yeah. Till today, the yeah. war never touched Keon. Keon is a strong church. And people of Keon who left Keon now know that we, have, we, we build it up in such a way that it will never quench. Yeah, so, one of the things that Pastor Dave Damschroeder is fond of saying is that, uh, you know, if you're going to create a cookie cutter, don't don't make a bad cookie with it. You know, so what are what are you exporting to some other place? If you're if you're going to say we're going to export the church that we have in the way that we have it right now, you better make sure that your church is, you know, New Testament elders, you know, elder led. Better make sure that the church has a focus on building up the saints and maturing the saints uh that the church has a good focus on evangelism uh if you have those things wrong and then you try to export the wrong model you do a disservice yeah as a missionary one of the missionary <clears throat> from here i asked him a question i said brother he said i feel a burden to go here and here and here i said oh praise god you know what solomon 
I have 10,000 burden in my heart every day. I want to do 10,000 things. But I started realizing that um, we need priorities. We need focus. You know, what is uh, that one thing? I remember Kit Mirima asked me that question. Solomon, what is the one thing, just the one thing you think God wants you to do right now? You know, like forget about all the things you want to do. That was the first time in my life I started thinking, what is a man God? Now I realized that I used to start churches everywhere. Good. That's a good idea. But this is the point. I leave them in two years old. They don't know what to do. I don't build them up. So would I have the energy to keep me doing that? No. Would I have extended life to keep me doing that? No. I would die one day. So I started thinking that, let me focus on training evangelists. All those churches are people that everybody knows. The church will send them because the church knows. Are you talking about evangelists? We know this woman is there. So women and men, I train them. Because there are many women who are good evangelists that can, you know, they have a gift in them. So it's a gift for the saints. It's, it's a gift in the church that can help us. You know, it's not about leadership. It's about exercising, you know, talent to bring people to Christ. So I thought, I, I like, I need to train people. I have the, when the first appeal in all the churches in Yaoundé district, you know, in that district, Obala district, in fact, they call Obala. There were 36 students right now. That register and I know there will be more because those churches are very evangelistic because we evangelize to start those churches. Oh, right. So, right. and we pastor them and we have been there for years, most of our classmates. So, they saw it, they have been doing it, and now it's time for them, you know, to be well trained, you know, have all the necessity that they need to impact the new generation because there's a new generation in those churches coming up. If they don't impact them, they will die. They will not feel like evangelizing the village like the other used to do. Right. If they remain in their victories, past victories, it will never continue. That's why I think in America happened is that it happened here. People remember that we send missionaries. No, it's not about sending missionaries. Are we able to send back? Are we able to build up first our churches? Because when we send, before we send those missionaries, we were strong churches. You know, we were good churches, you know, and then we send them. I mean, now those missions were to come back and strengthen, you know, those churches before any other direction to keep impacting. Because missionary impact, I mean, you have to be evangelist. If we send somebody who is not evangelist to go and start a ministry somewhere, I mean, brother, you, you, you have nothing. Because God has given those gifts to the evangelists. They are the one called to do that. And I think and, that's the spot where a lot of our American churches are. Yeah. The spot where we are is we have mature churches. They have good and deep teaching. But we are lacking that person or persons who are evangelists, who are going out into the community and who have that real burden to reach other people. Um, I mean, I think that they're here in America. Maybe we just don't train them well. Maybe we don't identify them and like lift them up and encourage I them. I think that's exactly the problem. I think they are evangelists. Oh, all churches, if there is a church bell, they should be an evangelist. Yeah, right, At least one right. or two. At least you will see people having that gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. A gift, a ministry gift. That's what I call it. Now, the worst thing is that when evangelists became pastors, you know, you cannot be an evangelist like me, and I'm a pastor in a church. But this is a problem. If I remain only pastor in that church without exercising the other gift, it will cool down, yeah, and the church right, will not right. go. Evangelists should be focusing. You know, I can be more pastor than evangelists. People will know that. 
So let me do pastoring work. But now, if I'm more evangelist than pastor, that means where do you find yourself more? Like me, I'm more evangelist than pastoring. So my second pastor, when I look at that guy, my assistant pastor, I mean, I don't call him assistant. We are all colleagues. Yeah, but you're shared. You're yeah. Shared, you're, you're mutual elders. I mean, I don't think and, people appreciate the New Testament model of yeah. plurality of elders. So uh, like if you and I were pastoring a church together. Yeah, you you will. You know, I would, I be, would be asking you, brother, do you mind? Uh, I want to lead this congregation, teach them how to evangelize. And allow me that sector so that I will organize this church. Now that I've learned more about, so I have the knowledge of it. If I didn't have that knowledge, I needed you, my pastor at that time, to train me in that domain. You see what I'm saying? The biblical way, evangelist, is in the Bible. But if we were pastoring the church together, you would train them in evangelism, and I'd say, brother, let me preach. Exactly. Let me preach and teach. I can have one message, maybe uh, after two months. Yeah, it right. won't disturb me. And I don't have to have it. I mean, that's the point. The point is that people, there's a big mistake in the society today. I mean, people have a title pastor, and it means that if I'm a pastor, I'm above the saints. No. You see, the pastors are no more, uh, not no more. Many pastors are not servants of the church. They don't understand that. It's, they are not superior. You see, the church is under them to lead them to the truth. Right. To lead them to portray Christ. But we are all equal in the church. So many people want to remain in that title and then preaching. And many people believe it's preaching that is a pastor. No, we all can be elders. And I believe that elders were for exaltation and teaching. And I think that other elders that are in the church, we know that, you know, and they have other gifts ministry. Yes. And the danger is when those elders who have a particular gift of the ministry that others may not even have. And then they remain and focus on a, a gift ministry that is not their own because of the title they won't help the church because there is a purpose god gave us those gifts he gave them the gifts so that we exercise those gifts inside the local church and build up the local church in towards doing what that gifts wants right, right you right. see what i'm saying yeah, yeah so yeah. i'm an evangelist you know they want to tell me to be a teacher in the seminary you know when i went, came back to your own name, people may think oh Solomon will be a teacher here and those who were teachers were kind of afraid you know are they going to lose their salary because the, the big guy has come no way i'm not a big guy i'm nothing you know i went to my colleague simon bond i said brother i can't sit here like you are sitting i admire you i, I can't sit I, I don't have that patience to sit down here and focus on a program and finish that program it's not me i can't do that in teaching I can't be sitting there and give back the food that we receive. I said, you know what? I like doing things. And one of the things I like doing, and he knows that in me. He, see, it's so interesting that I knew that he was a good teacher and he has his place. See, when he's teaching, he can teach all the practicums and he is a good in that. But he knew that I was an evangelist too. So when I became a pastor, I told him, brother, I don't want that title. I don't want to be a pastor of that church. Tell them I don't want. He said, Salma. Maybe God is sending you there so that you will do what he has asked you to do. And that was right. Mm-hmm. So I came to that church among other elders in the church. And then I impacted all my experience in, the, first of all, what is the church? Organizing the church the way it should be. I became a teacher at that moment. And then secondly, now everything is already established. Every elder knows his responsibility. Commissions are in the church. People know commission of restoration, financial commission, financial, you know. They, everything is organized in that church. You just have to 
overseas. Then uh, the next guys after me, I felt he lacks pastoring. He, wait, he lacks being pastor. And what I told him is that, I hope you understand that, pastor doesn't mean you have a salary and you are leading a congregation. It means that you feed the people and you visit them. And that was one aspect that he didn't know. Well, he knew intellectually, but he never learned how to do it. Right. We started visiting the people who come to the church. We have time to talk with them. And I show him how to help these people. And then I realized that he, he likes being in the church. And, he, you know, and then at the same time, you know, only, you know, organizing the program. He's a good organizer. I said, but brother, organize all the program for the whole year. And he did it. And I said, brother, do the do it. And then I realized that he's a kind of a big weaker in visitation, which characterized the pastor. Then the third guy I saw there is like this one, but it's more like doing things. He's an elder one to do things like the farming, things like that. He's focusing on that. And he was thinking that it is a ministry in that. I said, no, biblically, look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. Show me that ministry that is to make the farms to the people so that uh, the pastor would lack food. I said, there's no ministry in that. Brother, if you want to do that one, don't aspire as an elder. Go back in the congregation and walk and organize whatever you want to organize, like farming. You can't aspire, you can't desire to become an elder, to be building houses or farms or what to people. That's not, there's no, and he never heard about that. So my biblical knowledge helped me to put everybody in his place. And then there is a third, the fourth guy. He is the first year now in training. And he has a burden of visitation. So he's the one dealing with the new converts. Okay. So okay. this is aspect in him because he was a new convert. He knows how he took. And then I gave him a discipleship program, which is about the basic things of salvation. And he sent me a picture here in America all the time. And I see him. He's leading. I, that's the greatest joy in my life. I was looking for a past, an elder that would do the effective of exaltation, the effective of teaching, and the effective of visitation. I have a pastor now. See, my pastor will not be the second one. My pastor will not be that third one. But the pastor, I am praying that I can see the, my ministry off, in a sense, in that church, will be the fourth guy that I led to Christ by God's grace in that church. He and the wife are now taking the first year program. And now, he seems to be the one that visits, that actually, not a title that he will have, but he's actually having a ministry gift of right. he has pastoring. A gift of that. Pastoring, pastoral <laughs> gift. And this is amazing, brother. Um, I wish this one, the second one, will understand that he doesn't have the gift of pastor. He can help in teaching. You know, he will be a good elder teacher. And I hope the older guy will see that he may not have been called as an elder, though he wants to be an elder. He can go back to the pew, you know, to people and then be able to organize, you know, work. You know, like uh, building the things and making farms and gardens so that the church can have a kind of cooperative, you know, that can produce things and maybe sell. He is good in that. He has really vision. He has a shop. He's, he's a good business person. So he needs to orientate himself in what he can do the best for God's glory. And in my conclusion in that is, if each of us, you know, can do the gift ministry, even as elders in the same church, you know, and even as a Christian in the church, in the hall, that each of us aspire in what God has put in us. That we know what God gives us as a gift. 
And then, because the gift is what, is what you do the most. How do we know your gift is what you like doing? You are always like right. doing it. If it is teaching, you like teaching. You know, if it is evangelizing, you like doing it. That is the ministry gift God has given to you, and it will be seen. People will know. Yeah, that. that's what First Corinthians chapter 12, thir- you know, 13 exactly. and 14 is all about. Like, the Spirit gave gifts to the yeah. church, yeah. and every saint has a gift. Yeah. And just do the gift. Be happy with the gift that you yeah. have. Yeah. And use it to the best of your ability. And that's the problem, you see. Our churches are not evangelizing because, first of all, we don't have evangelists recognized. We don't even know the ministry of evangelists in churches. Mm. And, and I think we see those people every day. We start feeling that, oh, this woman like evangelizing. And you will see that. If it's a woman having that, you see it happening to her. She, she likes talking about Christ. So, you know, you will see it. If it is a man, you will see it. He may not be an elder. So people should be careful that you have to be an elder in order to do this. No, I, I'm, I'm the only elder who's an evangelist. <laughs> we, we are four, but I'm the only guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, five in total plus me. I'm the only guy. And then what, and I may be a, do a terrible mistake thing is that I cover others so that, they, you know, they are not able to do their own gift, spiritual gift. And then the other danger is that they make me to do what I'm not called for. So I was clear in that church. I said, brother, I don't feel uh, uh, this a little. When I see the percentage of pastoring in my heart, it may be thirty percent. But when I see <laughs> evangelizing, it may be seventy. When I'm see teaching, it may be twenty percent. Uh, I'm not that. Uh, you know, there are many guys who can give. The, I, I, I call it the the food. You know, the the, the cook food. Yeah, it's yeah. already a cook food. What about the deity of Christ? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good guys, you are so patient. Give them that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but. If you have a problem, somebody debating that Jesus is not God, call me in that class. And then I will give them the, the secret how to fight. If you have a problem of interpretation of a text, call me in that class and I will come and help you. And that's what I do in the practicum right now. I used to teach all the courses alone. And the missionary came to help me once. So I John Faber came and came in my Lester. Now I have guys who do that. In the northwest already doing uh now we we are blessed in this trip we have tom drives many good courses some of dr wickham's uh, friends translated uh, some courses in french uh they have a uh, you know evangelical uh, um theological school wonderful biblical uh, you know wickham's friend and they gave me the whole thing so i have now i don't need to translate again some of those courses we will use the courses and it will help people to do so i think we lack to see our churches back excited in America because first of all, the people who have to do that work are not. And if they are there, they don't even know what is their role. They don't have a place, nothing orientate them. You see, in my fellowship, the new fellowship I am now, they have never had a school of evangelists. They have never been called. You know, like the church that, hey, you are evangelists. The church is the one sending them. Their pastor approve and send a list, and we know them. We have the phone numbers, and we know that they will be trained in what they ought to do. What is an evangelist? What is the character God is expecting from them? Because you may preach right, only, but right, you are alive. Right. Like I told about my marital situation, I have to learn to be a good husband because if I fell home, nothing will happen outside. So that one is clear. It's, there's no play about that. Evangelists need to learn that. So, and then number three, but they need to know what is their role in the church. What did God give them that gift? It's not to be proud of, because I know people are very proud of that. I led people to cry yesterday as if it did something more than the other people. 
I may be an evangelist. You can just exalt somebody. We all do the same work in God's field. You know, you are leading this man to Christ, and then I'm exalting somebody who's already in the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we all work. And that's what people should see God's work. It's the same goal. We're exactly. trying to accomplish exactly. the same purpose. The you same know, purpose. you plant the seed, people become Christian, and then you nurse them and become a mature a Christian. Full tree. Mature. Big tree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the danger is that many people, as I told you, that if they don't know their gifts, they are kind of shaken. But people can tell you because people around us know us better. Because you may not see what you like to do. An evangelist always want to share Christ. He can't stay in a place. <laughs> that is a sign. And you can, Pastor Jonathan, I have known me for so many years. Yeah, I, I have. I can have. you doubt? No. no Are you no not doubt. seeing the fruits of that? Yes, <laughs> Everywhere. Have. So an evangelist, you will see that. People call themselves sometimes evangelists, and they are not truly evangelists. Yeah, I wish I could just import you to the United States for like six months. <laughs> oh, we'll bring yeah. Mary with you. <laughs> but you see now the problem, I can never come if I don't feel the call to stay. No, I, I know. You I understand know, what I I'm know. saying? No, I know, I know. Because I, I think evangelists anyways. are called by God. If God doesn't put that burden in you, you go, you fail. What we need to do <laughs> is pray that God would raise up an American Solomon Zombo. Oh, yeah, we need an American I think, Solomon Zombo. I think that Zombo. is a great prayer. And we need somebody who is American, who knows the American culture. Of course, and of course who is willing to go into our communities Amen. and share the gospel and be an evangelist there with a local church, with building up Do a local know, church. Do you know, Pastor Jonathan, I don't, short, you know, I don't close you. Um, somebody called himself evangelist around me. And I stayed with a person for some time here in America. Never did I feel him a burden to visit a neighbor. Burden to you. And we would travel, we go out, you know, nothing. You can't joke. And he's... And the person is standing, making jokes with people, laughing, and things about why I go out. No, brother, it's something that you don't choose. It's not because you are so spiritual than others. I'm not spiritual than you, my brother. It's just that this is my part gift. It's yeah, burning. Yeah. It's bubbling. And my wife knows that. The only day I say, Mom, are you angry that I can add again two more weeks? You know, in America, she said, I know why you are there. And I know you more than anybody knows you. If I bring you back home right now, you will never have peace. See, evangelists will never have peace until it comes out. Right. It's right. bubbling. And this is how you know them. Even degrees, there are degrees of zeal, but they would like to preach. They're, they're, they're preaching. I, yeah, they're I've preaching. seen many you evangelists that are them. not, yes, I've you seen can't. many evangelists that are not bold like me in the same degree. Like Pastor Roger, you see him. He's a great evangelist, but he's not bold necessarily like me, but he does that work. I'm telling you that you walk with that man everywhere you are. He will plant the seed. So I think many people should review their title. They should not call themselves evangelists if they don't see themselves bubbling. So, and, <laughs> for Christ. I like that. Yeah, because... I'm going to steal that one of these yeah, days. You have to bubble. Yeah, you and have to evangelists bubble. Have to Whatever bubble. your gift is, you have to bubble. Yes, and see, somebody who is a teacher like you, I don't need somebody to tell me. You are a good pastor. I don't need somebody to tell me because I have seen you even before you were ordained. I've seen how you, for Solomon, you ask questions about me. You ask questions. You want to know how things are happening in Kenya. You, I mean, the pastor inquire. The pastor has passion. Can you remember that day? I remember the other day you look at me and say, Solomon, I think you need these uh, sandals. You know, you, 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 you made some sandals for me. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. That's what I like the best to wear in Africa because it makes me down. Yeah, right, right. And nobody look at me like, uh, you know, he's not serious. Uh, you will know if I'm serious when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. Yeah, because in Africa, people like to dress thing. You know, we have French culture. We have to appear nice. And yeah, I, I look, like I'm wearing my old boots again. Remember? I, I, yes, <laughs> you, I used to tell me that. Out I said, on that. I said, hey, brother, you have to put the black shoes and polish it. Hey, <laughs> by the way, in that meeting, I saw the black shoe. I first laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, praise God, he brought a black shoe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think we need to bubble. Somebody has to give, you know, like, run. Uh, you have a future and then yeah, 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 run, run. run. Yep. You don't need to ask. No, you know. You what already he see what the guy is, and he's gifted in the music. He does it. What what somebody's gifted it, he does it. Yeah, he does. See, you you want don't fabricate people. And I always say to people, what killed missions work today is that we want to call a pastor somebody who's not a pastor by ministry. There are some people who have been ordained pastors, but they don't have the ministry gift of that. And every Christian should evangelize. But it doesn't mean that they have the ministerial gift for evangelization. It simply means that it is a duty for each Christian that we need to tell to the lost world. Because if we don't tell them, how will they believe? My new prayer card said, you know, I have a small uh, business uh, card. And it says, how Romans 10, 14. How, how can they believe there's nobody that preach? And how can they be preached if, how can they preach if, there is nobody sent. See, God needs to send. And God need, and that word should be the word of God. It shouldn't be, you know, there is a word that you have to preach. They don't preach any type of things. It's about 1 Corinthians 15. You know, Christ died on the cross for our sin was buried and raised the third day. It's about the person and the work of Christ. That's what the gospel means. Right. The gospel, if you are out of that one, brother, I'm sorry. And that's why the word has been come. You, you open this, you listen to this woman preaching, abomination, saying all kind of stuff. You know what about the world? People want to hear things that make their life. Your story will never be the same. I'm telling you that this year will be, these are nonsense things. When you talk to a Christian, Wait, it's not about you, you are about healed. That? What do you think about that? I don't think nonsense. that Nonsense. I don't think, yes, I don't think that Pika went to the people and told them what all your problems are solved because now you are a child of God. No, no, he never talked about the physical thing. He never talked about the... How could you... I, I don't even understand how people can honestly say that. You're in a child of God now. All your problems are solved. Now read the book of Psalms and see what happened to that child of God, King David. No, 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 no. The guy suffered more than anybody, right? And Jesus warned you about that. Yes. I mean, so... And, and people wonder. They have their bankruptcy. They have sickness that, you know, uh, it doesn't go they, they, away. They, they, they all uh, want... All their pains to be alleviated. And I've been unfaithful in their marriage, and you know that, and they don't want to know that. The woman doesn't want to recognize that I'm not submissive to my husband. She keeps saying, my husband is a very strong man. Yeah, but I see the husband doesn't recognize that he doesn't love his wife, like the Bible says. Right. Consequently, there are a lot of divorces in churches in everywhere uh, because people don't want to obey the word. We did not obey the word. And the purpose of evangelists, uh, either in the ministry gift we have or the church called to, uh, to evangelize is before proclaiming the good news, what do you start with? You know, describe the origin, it's sin. And sin has to be named. We need to say, this is wrong. This is how God intended the marriage to be. That a man will marry a woman and they will be blessed and they will have children. Don't adopt them. If you want to marry men, men or woman, woman, you know, don't adopt them. Because God's principle is not freedom of choice. It was established by God. Right. Now, if we change it, why well, we need to face the judgment that will come like Sodom and Gomorrah? There's, there's no doubt about it. Right. I think we are getting there. 
And, and I think the way I see people proclaiming the gospel, it's not a true gospel. They go and talk about something nice. They make people to feel well. No, talk about sin. Talk about repentance. Bring them to the cross where the blood of Jesus Christ was there and he took away your sins upon him so that you will be saved. And those Repent. people are bringing a curse upon themselves. Of course. Because Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Cursed is anyone who preaches to you another gospel other than the one that you have received. And, and these people who do it, and they, they have a lot of following. Like they have a lot of people who follow them on social media. And so that affirms the false gospel that they're preaching. But ultimately, Jesus Christ will bring a curse upon them. I found a solution, Pastor Jonathan. That is so true what you said. You know, I found a solution. You can never give what you don't have. That's true. If I ask you now, Pastor Jonathan, my beloved friend, and my pastor, as I said, it's my home church here. Yep. And in America when I'm here. And, and then I said, Pastor Jonathan, I need cassava. Je veux le manioc. Give me manioc. You will look at me like that and say, Salmon, what is wrong with you? You know that we don't have manioc here. I need to go to find in a certain shop that it may come from South America. So you cannot give me what you don't have. So I understand people today who preach a fake gospel. I understand Galatians today because I see it's about the stomach, it's about their grandeur, it's about their position in the society. They can only give what they have. Yeah. Because they don't have the gospel, they will give something that is not the gospel. But if you have the gospel like I have, I'm bubbling. And you know one of the reasons that you bubble because you know it. We need to teach to our children that. You know, to our church. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for Amen. whosoever believes. Amen. That means we have it. You know, like I preach in our church here. I say to people, the power is in us. That truth is in us. The word of God is in us. We need to proclaim that word. And this is the problem. Satan doesn't want me to open the mouth. So we don't have evangelism exciting us. It's rare that a pastor excites people for evangelism. because He may teach that because you rarely say. If you don't feel a burden yourself to do something, you won't make the shift to do that. But those who are evangelists, I hope if you put among your elders or out of your elders, if you have people in the church who are evangelists, we need a training for them. And tell them, hey, brother, there's a certain course. I will show you my course as time when I, when I made a curriculum because I just started that ministry soon. So I'm building up a curriculum. And whatever you have, brother, send to me. I'm building a curriculum so that people have a certain number of courses before they have a diploma known as evangelists in our fellowship. Mm. But it's not to carry them away from their church first. It's to use them inside those villages, those areas, those towns. Because they are the ones who will excite the church to do it. If they are not there, you carry them out, the church will never do that. And that's why we don't have churches growing because the people who are called to do that want to do it out before doing it. You know, that reminds me <laughs> that I think that one of the areas that we've really failed in in prayer is to do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, yeah. where he looked out and he saw that the people were distressed and dispirited like sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And Jesus didn't say, go out and tend those sheep. Jesus told his disciples, pray that the Lord would send workers out into the harvest. And so I think one of the areas of failed prayer in our church is that God would raise up all these people. Now, now we pray in our church, I know we pray that God would raise up elders, Amen. and we would raise up deacons, and we would raise Amen. up other ministries. But 
I can't remember the last time that we've prayed that God would raise up an evangelist. Praise God. And now, Praise now, God. now I feel really bad. <laughs> See, and the Bible says what we don't have because we don't ask. We're right, right. And, so, and guess what? I'm 46 years after 23 years ministry in Africa. It's now this year because I accepted to be pastoring a church that God opened my mind mm. to see this is the last thing I want you to do. Yeah. Clear. Build up evangelists in district of churches. Let them work first in their local churches with what they know. Program them there. Number two, let them work inside the district. Now, once a church wants to evangelize, they can call the evangelists. If you don't call them, you will call people who don't, who don't even know what to say. Because many Christians don't even know what to say. Before being trained, let the evangelists be well-trained. So they will do it, and they will do it very well. And let budget be raised in churches, because we start raising our first budget. That's the first meeting. We put money already. We keep putting money, so that we don't need a church to give us any money. Once we have it, you know, we see how much we have. And then, you know, we decide we are going three or four, according to what we have. You know, if it is a district meeting, we want to start a church. The evangelists are the one to go. And if the evangelists go, brother, don't worry. You guys on fire up. They were made for that. They will start that church. And maybe one of them can feel a burden to become a, a, a pastor there. Then the whole congregation that have been sending the money for this team, each month we need to raise money from our congregation. That's why I'm working for one year in that fellowship because I'm just a president for one year. And that they will be putting money for evangelization. Right. They were already put in before, and it was not using the way we wanted. Now, the money will come to one bank account, and for evangelism, it's only for that and nothing else. Then number two, the next vision I have is that we need to, now we have already evangelists. That's a priority, train evangelists. Now number two, if you go to our African churches, you see that there are prevalence of some tribes. If you go to one church, you see that this church, this tribe is more than the other people. Oh, yeah. So right. most of the time, people add to a church is addition. It's not multiplication. <laughs> they come and add because, oh, I am a wonder. So I'm looking for the wonder people. See, if the pastor is an a wonder, he will attract more a wonder. So they leave more tribalism. So even in Africa, oh. everybody with dark skin, oh, they was. still have the dividing walls up that Paul says should be taken. Down. Remember in Genesis 11. Yeah. You know, like the yeah, Torah. The they started gather according to the language. Yeah, yeah. So if I speak my dialect and somebody speaks that same dialect, it connects you right away. So we need to go back to our churches, those evangelists, well trained. And then, you know, to break it out, it can never be. Because we don't, most of our churches don't evangelize. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? They yeah. were won by evangelism. But because the evangelists were not known, and they go back and do all their affairs, and sometimes they remain pastor in a place and they bubble, but they don't, they have the work of pastor to do at the same time. They have to go and go. That's not, not they, they did not, they needed to be orientated. Now, the evangelists, we need to go back in our churches and build up those churches to be, you know, if, you know, to do the multiplication, which is what each Christian should do the work of evangelists. And those who are called evangelists should join our school and our team because we have a whole commission for that, commission of evangelization and edification. So we evangelize and then we edify. That means we go back and always build it up. Right. And we are the one who bring people to the seminary, to schools of theology, because when we lead people to come, we feel they have a burden for the Lord. We send them to be trained. 
And then once the churches are trained like that, and this is what I, let me tell you how I do now. I go to a church, depending, sometimes it's three-day seminar. It may be less. And then the third day is just the end. But mostly I take three days. So I build up a curriculum, a little things, a little lesson, pamphlet. Very simple, because Africa don't need long stuff. Right, right. They are, people are not very educated uh, sometimes that, you know, deeply. They don't like reading many things. So I told them about the origin of the gospel. Why the gospel? Number two, the content of the gospel. Number three, the power of the gospel. And I'm telling you that I did it in a Muslim area. That, that town have about in the beginning 80% Christian, quote, quote. <laughs> okay, claim to be Christian, you know. And then today, the town is 20% Christian and 80% Muslim. So what has happened? Well, because the churches were not founded, were not evangelized. So Muslims have been conquering, getting married to the people of that tribe. And then it become more Muslim town mm -hmm. than, you know, people are free, by the way. I wonder the hearing people are listening to us to know they are free to choose any religion they want. But I do believe there's only one way to go to heaven. Jesus is the way by his sacrifices uh, on the cross. So I went back to that church and I encountered it, which is a bit far. I started, it's just a burden I had. I want to try. And I, and I started to go there. I have seen no convert from one religion to there, you know, from Islam to Christianity. <clears throat> I didn't see one. Then I started looking, I said, I look at the tribes, very few other tribes inside that church. And that is exactly the, the sickness. It's mostly the boom people. Consequently, if they are the boom people, why do we have them in majority? Because they were the first, they were the founder of the town. Right. So most of those people were gathered in the name of that language, the tribe. And then as time goes, I asked, did you people evangelize? No. Those churches are not evangelized. And there are about 350 people. But how do they gather? How, how do they come to? Well, by tribes. That this is addition. It's not multiplication. And which is bad because if you have addition and you don't have multiplication, it's very bad. So finally, when people understood why do we have the, you know, sin, the, uh, the remedy of sin, and then the, you know, the, the power of the gospel that can treat it. And so on, so on. I talk about the origin of the gospel. I talk about the content of the gospel. And I talk about the power of the gospel. I tell you, brother, today, that church will never be the same. They started going out. We made 12 groups, you know, and then all the remained. They were tired. They could not go. And they started praying for those who went out. So we have 12 groups and we'll pray. We said, let the Lord lead us. And then we have a leader in the group. And that leader is somebody who is a mature Christian. I didn't choose any type of leader. Right, right, right. Mature he knows Christian. what, yes, mature he knows what Christian. to say. Yep. He knows, you know, and he knows very well, master, what to say. So they went there. We visited Muslim. We visited Muslim group. We visited other houses to proclaim Jesus Christ. They too are afraid to come and talk to her about Allah and Muhammad. Everybody's afraid. But we present, we present with confidence because we know it is through the gospel that God has decided that he will save people. So we do our work is to proclaim the gospel. And I want people to understand that as an evangelist, my desire is to see the fruits. 
I like to see the food. Everybody, I'm a farmer too, you know. I like to plant my papaya tree that I showed to you. Mm -hmm. And then I want to see the fruits. And I'm excited to see how it was planted. And then, but God did not send us to harvest. Mm. Necessary. Mm, right. Well, it's not the first thing. Sometimes we planted and we didn't see anything. Sometimes we water. And sometimes other people will come and just harvest what we have planted and water. But to God be the glory. But to God be the glory because we have no power to make it to grow. So I believe sincerely that if each Christian understands there is a work of evangelism I must do to proclaim good news, evangelium is good news, you know. Uh, there is a work to do. As a Christian, I must do it. I will take my vacation. Yes, I have to rest. Guys work hard here. But I will use it in any shop, any place I stand, you know, keep proclaiming. I'll go to a restaurant. Then I'll find the tracks. My pastor should have a good tracks talking about sin and repentance. The most crack don't have repentance. And then I put it, my money, you know, my appreciation gift inside. So I have to do the work. And they should understand if I don't do that work, people would not be saved. Mm. And they should understand that how do they become saved? If somebody is truly saved, he will know how he becomes saved. He will hear that somebody gave him a track or somebody preached that gospel. So how will they believe Romans 10 14 if there is nobody that preach that preaches we need a preacher we need somebody to proclaim the good news starting from sin origin why do we have the good news because of sin and then the content what is even that good news we need to explain them that this is a message that Peter preached that Paul preached it is about sin and Jesus who died and repentance expected faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach all that God, the Holy Spirit, is giving to us. And then the last thing, let people have confidence that this is the message that will save the world. Right. I don't know if you know, I was an idolater. I was a terrible idolater. I do know. I was living in sin and all those kinds of things. My brother, like, like you know, African will live. Yeah, you know, all yeah. these gods oh, yeah. that we have in Inoku. You know, houses in Yaoundé everywhere. People trust many things, but they go to church. They may be Muslim, Catholic, so-called Christian, but they are not born again. They don't know Jesus. So we need to know the content. There is a content. If we don't preach that content and it ought to be preached, it won't bring people to salvation. So it's not about preaching, preaching. No, it's about say the things the way God said them and want us to say them so that it will bring repentance, conviction of the heart. And that's why I Acts chapter uh, 3, verse 37. We say, what shall we do? Right. Tell us, because you told us all this thing, Peter. You told us all this thing that we have crucified the Holy One. Now what do we do? Now then, what do we what do, do with we this do? information? Yeah. And that's how the gospel should do. The gospel is not to please somebody. There is a decision because when they preach, you know, they present, what did he tell them? The long story. When it's end up, you have sinned. And that's where you end up. You know, this is what God intended with our forefathers. Look, 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 look. And then you know what you did? You stopped God's, God's plan by doing this. Though we know that he has to be, you know, somewhere he has to die. And guess what? God could not allow him to remain. He raised him from the dead. He's both Christ and Lord. Amen. What do we do? We repent. All right. <laughs> what do you, you have about 30 seconds left here. Okay. What do you want to tell the church in America? Two things. If you feel a burden in your heart, because nobody knows what is in your heart, brother, to always proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You may not, you may lack knowledge how to do it, and many times you feel that burden. I may call you an evangelist. 
I may feel you have that call to be an evangelist of your church. Brother, first focus. That church where you are a member, you are called to build that church, to help others, you know, to do the work. Because sometimes others will only do the work. They don't feel a burden. It's like you drag them. You are the one that God has called to drag them to do it. Whatever you have to learn about it, see your pastors, and then what is the content of the gospel? What should I even go and share outside? And by the way, don't say many things. Just tell them how Christ saved you. Mm. It's so easy to do it. You can now add verses because the verses are the power of God. We need a word to tell. But tell them first what you used to be, what you are. And God will help them to know, you know, what God called you for because we have blessings upon that call. And then number two, I just want to tell you also, my brother and sister, maybe you are church, you may not have an evangelist. You may not see somebody, maybe like me, God give me that gift, you know, bubbling, bubbling, you know, for Christ. But you know what? Remember that there is a call for you too. You were saved to save others. And you need to do that work. It is a must, it's not a choice. You may not do it diligently, you may not do it promptly, like others may have the aptitude to do, but you know what? Say it. If you can't say the story of Calvary, Golgotha, share a track, that would be something that you have done great. And the last thing I want to end up, you just confess it, we don't pray for God to add to the harvest. To add who? People who will go and take care to his ship to proclaim that good news and bring them back home. Jesus said, I still have others, you know, who are not in this uh, flock. And we, we are already in the church. We need others to join this church. Brothers, it is you and I. It's a principle of multiplication. Each Christian should be able to know what is the gospel, to remember he was saved by the gospel, and then know the content, share it to somebody of his family. You know, it's not about inviting people to come to the church. It's about telling them before they even come. Because God never added the pagan in the church. He added those who are saved. <laughs> and he added them through the gospel. And many pagans are in our churches because we want addition. We don't want multiplication. Multiplication starts from you sharing to other people. And I pray that we refocus our prayers, asking God to send workers. And let each person in his calling do what the Lord wants him to do as priority. But we all Christians should do the work of evangelists. The world will never change if you and I don't tell them the story that will make them to change. It's about Jesus and his work. Amen. Amen. God bless America. And God bless you, Pastor Jonathan, and all the elders that have built you up and around you for this wonderful ministry in Gimsova Grace Brennan Chapel. Well, thank you for spending time with me, Pastor Solomon. You're welcome. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, to just be challenged by the fire that you have to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. Amen.